0: Welcome back boys and girls to another episode of On The Bat Bar. I'm your host Christopher Menning and today I'm being joined by James Chase from Chase Distillery. So Chase have been around for a short time and they're known already to be having a fantastic product. Uh, The vodka's won the San Francisco Awards for best tasting vodka. Their gin's pretty much everywhere on the market now and they also have a wonderful range of liqueurs and flavoured bottles. So today we're talking all things potato and spirits, and we're also finding out how they want to achieve their target of being the most sustainable distillery in the next 10 years. So there's some fantastic things along the way. Um, I really hope you enjoy this show. Just wanted to quickly mention as well, Tales of the Cocktail is now open for nominations, and I would love for you guys to nominate me as your top podcast. There's some really great people already doing amazing shows out there, but even just to be nominated would be enough, and it would really be amazing to have your support. So, yeah, you can go on to Tales of the Cocktails nominations and just type in your name and say why you love me. At the end of the show, I will tell you who's coming on in the next couple of episodes. February's going to be a good lineup, actually, and I think you're going to find it really interesting. So, yeah, keep staying tuned. Head over to my Patreon page and join the community. Like, subscribe, share, and just show me some love. Thanks, guys, and enjoy this one.
1: Benjamin Franklin once said, "In wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, and in water there's bacteria." No bacteria here. This is on the back bar, hosted by Christopher Manning, an industry expert, author, and bartender who's been in the industry for over a decade. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the Back Bar. This is Christopher Manning.
0: James, hi. Welcome to On The Back Bar. Thank you for joining us today. How have you been? Hi,
2: Chris. Um, Really well, thank you. I'm currently in deepest Herefordshire, which is um, pretty much right in the middle of the UK. And um, we've had a very small storm that swept over the farm. It's called Storm Brendan. But um, yeah, no, I'm doing I'm doing really well.
0: Well fantastic. Well I'm, I'm sorry to hear about the storm. I hope it hasn't ruined production too much or made it difficult. No,
2: I think um I think no, we're we're sturdy farmers. So we um yeah, we, we know we yeah, we know used to it. a thing or two about a bit of rain, but um no we're still standing, which is um which is the main thing.
0: Fantastic. Well, James, um, like with all guests that come on the show, if you can give us your sort of five-minute origin story uh, about yourself and Chase Distillery, that'd be amazing. Thanks,
2: Chris, and yeah, thank you so much for having having me on. So, um, yeah, Chase, oh, Chase really is a, a family a family distillery, um, and we're very we're very proud of that. And and our story really starts um, with with my father, who's a who's a fourth generation potato farmer from from Herefordshire. Um, and, and he's really been farming in, in this community for, for for a number of for a number of years. And if you look back at, at many distilleries, they tended to be operated or originally founded by farmers because they were so close to the the, the raw produce that they were that they were using. My father William, um, yeah, traded and worked in the in the potato industry. Um, and unfortunately, at kind of the back end of the 1990s saw. Um, supermarkets really drive down the the price of of um, of produce going into supermarkets and it was at that point that my father William really needed to to change things up you know if you're in business you you have to make a profit in order to survive and farming was a was a you know was a was a great lifestyle but we really needed to change things up in order to you know to progress into I guess the early 2000s and very drastically I remember coming back from college in around 2001 and my father had had literally built uh, a deep fat fryer in the in the workshop, and fed up had been treated like a middleman He wanted to make a you know make a margin in his um his crop that he loved so dearly and decided to create um, a crisp brand called called Tyrrells, which which today has become a household household name and it, it very Absolutely. much had a, a story of you know of potatoes being grown by a farmer in the morning and being turned into a you know a product in in the afternoon with an absolute transparency and story and and as farmers, we were incredibly um, empowered to make sure that, that that message resonated with people. And I think often the farmer gets very lost in, in this day and age. And it's something that, you know, we always like to like to champion. Um, obviously, we're here to talk about spirits. And it was, uh, it was around 2006 that I joined my father out out, out in uh, America. We were researching um, deep fat fryers at the time. And we, um, we stumbled across some small distilleries who who kind of really were the first wave in the world of, you know, talking not about celebrity or the bottle, you know, really talking about actually the taste and the liquid itself. And there was a couple of brands, including Hudson Bourbon and uh, Brian from Death Store, that were, you know, that were really kind of almost starting a a craft spirit movement in the USA because, you know, the the USA at that time, the the administration pulled down the, the legislation for distilling so you could you know you could you could really kind of garage distill and you could you could you could start a a distillery from scratch and and that kind of trickled the the waves and really kind of started our excitement about spirits that actually had flavor and and taste and yeah we, we brought a few back to the UK um and we realized that there were you know there were very few if 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 at all any spirits on the on the UK market at that time and we're not talking that long ago in 2007 2008 that you know that tasted of of substance and that that talked about you know the pedigree. You know even at that time, if you bought a bottle of wine, you would you would very much know the 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 vineyard, the terroir, the kind of grapes they use in in production. You know, spirits have tended to follow the you know the wine industry, and wine before that has always followed the food movement about. You know sourcing and, and sustainability so we were so inspired and, and it turned out that um uh, that we had a huge surplus of smaller potatoes that were too small to make potato chips um so with that kind of thought and a and a dash of madness um we me and dad went on a quest to um to build you know the uk's first craft distillery and we set about in 2007 in 2008, we got our license to license to distill um, on April the first, and that's when our first bottle of potato vodka came off the farm. Um, and it was it was, a, it was a crazy time because we we were just going into a deep recession in the in the UK, but we um, but we ploughed on, um, and and now we are in in 2020, and we've seen the whole market absolutely mushroom. With I think there's over 315 distilleries now based in based in the UK but we are very much still one of very few actual distillers we refuse to buy in neutral grain spirit and we we continue our journey of making spirits from scratch um, predominantly that starts with our potato vodka which we then either sell um, and it's won countless awards including the world's best tasting vodka at San Francisco or we redistill that potato vodka with a blend of botanicals to create uh, a range of different gins and and flavored gins. And our business now today is actually a we are a, a gin distillery. Eighty five percent of our of our business is gin. Um, and yeah, we we distribute over four, forty countries all around the world. Um, and we, we're very much still rooted from our from our humble beginnings in in Herefordshire. So I suppose that's kind of where we're where we're at today. And you know, the last ten years has very much been about championing field-to-bottle distilling and I think that you know the next 10 years is you know is personally we're on a a mission now to create the world's most sustainable distillery
0: I mean, wow what a <laughs> yes. journey um, it's a it's a fantastic story of um, taking a classic british product the potato and successfully creating two really powerful brands of it I mean it, it's very impressive what is the you mentioned storytelling? How important is that to your ethos and to your brand, and and being able to share that with your audience?
2: I think I think hugely. I think um, if you if you if you look at any brand on the market, the minute that they stop, you know, telling consumers or their their community the reason why they started, I do I do feel that there was almost a decline in in that brand. And, and storytelling for us has been the you know the pivotal point of our whole journey um you know it gives us a reason why we started and what our purpose is and i think that gives a consumer to kind of really buy into the the ethos that you know that we're living that we're living in and and in order for us to compete against the bigger guys you know i think you know with this industry very much is dominated by multinational corporations and you know our story is one of authenticity and 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 the fact that is it is very genuine so everybody in our business is is a storyteller and that's been a great way for us to get out into a marketplace that is incredibly saturated and dominated by you know a lot of marketing budgets but i always um because i always say you know some of the most important people in our business are our tour guides here on the farm at, at you know in Herefordshire because day in day out they are telling the you know the the people that come on the tour we're expecting to get up to around fifteen thousand people this year to the to the distillery and and it's those guys that, that tell our story and i think you know that that ultimately gives somebody a reason to to buy our our spirits and to enjoy them to enjoy them with others and 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 bring a bottle of chase to a dinner party and and talk about the story um over a few drinks
0: yeah, and I've been to the distillery before, and it's a beautiful part of the world. It's um, um, something I feel you've done really well in what I think you would agree is an oversaturated market. Is your branding is really on point from the story to design to packaging? Um, it's just very chase everything, you know. And you know, what are some of the key factors in making that a success?
2: I think um, we're, we're quite old. We're quite an old school company, and the fact that our you know our family name is above the door. Um, so you know chase yeah. is our surname and and the fact that we put that on on every bottle really means that you know we are so proud of our our product that we you know our spirits that we we put our name on it um but yeah definitely i think you know i think our branding is you know is very innocent and 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 hopefully sincere um and it's not you know we haven't gone to a huge design agency and and really focused on 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 creating you know revolutionary bottle i think we you know we wanted to be very innovative with our packaging and the fact that we put a potato root around the around the bottle showcases that, you know, we're we're much more than just the packaging. We are, you know, telling almost the story of the earth. And the sounds a little, a little cheesy, but everything that we do is related back to the back to the farm and back to where we where we started here in Herefordshire.
0: For sure. Um, let's talk about products. I mean, uh, having worked with it before, I've kind of tried them all <clears> and <throat> I love them all <laughs> very much. So, um, we'll start with the vodka. So you mentioned it one. Um, Best tasting vodka in the South. Yeah, de- definitely.
2: I walls, think right? if you look at most back bars around the world, um, you know, and a back bar for, for the you know the audience that, that don't know, it's obviously the you know the spirits that sit behind a, the back wall of a cocktail bar. Predominantly, most of those will be made up of a grain, a grain alcohol, which is um, you know, which is it's an often a cheaper commodity sourced, sourced um, and grown all, all around the world. And and it was very unusual for us to begin the distilling venture using potatoes. Um, but we've always believed that potatoes provide a, a very, um, a really kind of a, a better quality to any kind of grain, wow. grain spirits on the market. Um, it, it really is that texture and mouthfeel that you get with potatoes that, that kind of really, really does stand standard above head and shoulders above, you know, above the rest. And that's simply, we know we we love championing potatoes because it is the product that grows best in our environment, these rich red fields in Herefordshire. Um, really are a you know a, a fantastic place to be growing to be growing potatoes but um yeah that that that, that for us it, i always always tell a lot of bartenders that there's over 250 potatoes in in every bottle and and when you when you kind of realize that you, you it shows how much work <laughs> goes into you know just one bottle of chase
0: my god is that 250 that's incredible. <laughs> <Yeah>. okay
2: <laughs> a lot of it's a lot of peeling.
0: Um, so- <laughs> off that how many potatoes do you produce a year um i i wouldn't be sure of the
2: the total quantities and and as a distillery we, we never really disclose our, our volumes as such um but if you can imagine 250 potatoes in, in every bottle it's a it's a fair few spuds and, and my brother harry um is the farmer so he's responsible for for sourcing and all of our all of our potatoes that go into into the range of chase so um yeah he's he's got his work cut out and especially this year when it when it has been so wet but um yeah we do we do love the humble spud <laughs>
0: <laughs> i can tell yeah for sure and um, you mentioned that gin is now actually a large part of your uh, your business so you have the gb gin and the elegant 48 yeah you absolutely walk products um, for us?
2: you know like i said the majority of our business now is is gin and you know we're, we're very much um proud of that but but the the vodka is is incredibly important to our story i always say it's very similar to you know, what, what the trench coat means to Burberry, you know, we, we might not sell the most vodka, but, mm. but vodka makes up all of the, you know, all of the base spirit. And for, for, the, for the audience that, that don't know, you know, gin by definition is, is a redistilled vodka with the predominant flavor being juniper berries. Um, and often a lot mm-hmm. of gin distillers will, walk, will go out there and source an alcohol from a, from a market with, with no given kind of source. And then they will, because it's such a a blank canvas, they will then pair the botanicals to, you know, to what they want to get. So juniper plus maybe lavender or, or if they, you know, if they want to go more spicy, they might choose more, more spices that, that are, that are from China. But, but with, with Chase, that potato base, so focusing on the Chase GB gin, the potato base gives it so much flavor already that we, we pair 10 botanicals with the, with the flavor of that, of that base, Mm -hmm. if, if that makes sense. Um, so we've got a lot of yeah. juniper in there, which of course we wanted to create a very, um, you know, ex- extra dry gin, but we've got botanicals in there like cinnamon, um, and, and ginger that give it this amazing, um, kind of almost Christmassy, spicy, piney notes at the end. Um, and my favorite with the GB gin is to serve it with a, um, with a slice of ginger to, to, to recognize that. Um, whereas the other end, okay. we've got the elegant gin, which is actually my father's favorite gin, um it's it's uh it's actually distilled from cider apples which is again very very unique so Mm -hmm. cider the cider vodka taste um is is almost like eating apple skins you've got these amazing tannin notes that, that that give it this um that beautiful texture and then we pair um over 12 well we pair 12 botanicals with that apple um based spirit so you have for me you have a gin that's just perfect in a in a martini it's slightly sweeter than the than the GBM we use slightly less juniper but for me in a, in a martini stirred down um on a on a Saturday afternoon is 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 absolutely perfect um so two very dif- different gin styles but you know I think two very two very different occasions
0: one of your main company ethos is, is the filled to bottle and I'd really like you to walk us through that and how you do source all the yeah, ingredients. Absolutely. If you,
2: you, know, if you look at the, the the bulk of gin producers, you know, of which I'm a huge fan of, of many different um, gins around the world and, and hopefully uh, Chris we can we can enjoy a few few of them very soon. But you know, if you look at the bulk of gin gin yeah. distillers out on the market, they are sourcing a what's called a neutral grain spirit. Um, and they're, then they're redistilling that either through a contract distiller or or they're doing it themselves through a through a still. Um, and being being farmers we we were just very passionate about making something from from scratch obviously it's a, it's a hell of a lot more work and there's a lot more labor that goes on in our distillery right from from peeling the potatoes through to fermenting through to distilling and then on again into you know redistilling into gin and you know it's that whole process that that i believe you know if you if you spend you know 30 pounds 35 pounds on a bottle of on a bottle of chase you know that, that's a that's a lot of money, and and I think I think if you're spending that amount, you you need to have absolutely pure transparency in in where that um where that spirit is sourced. And yeah, you know if if you if you come on a tour, you know our tour guides will show you very much, you know the farm, they'll show you the fermenting station, and you'll go right through to see Fat Betty, which is our pot still, and then Maximus, which is our which is our column, and then and then Ginny. So you you see the whole process as opposed to you know, looking at, looking at a kettle where, you know, where grain spirit is then bought in to, to redistill through. So yeah, it is a, it's a massive labor of love, but you know, I, I tell you what I I'm, I'm a big believer of, um, Oh, you know, all boats rise with the tide and, and it's great now to see some other distillers out there that, you know, that are pioneering distilling from scratch. You know, you've got even brew dog now, I think, are uh, you know, really kind of getting behind the wave. You've got, um, a local, another local distillery called Ramsbury um, that, are, that are championing this, and you've got Adnams over uh, in, in Suffolk that are you know traditional brewers but they've gone into distilling as well. So, I think when you've, when you've got the category expanding and there is more noise around field to bottle, then fantastic. What I do worry is that maybe some of the big guys are, are trying to catch on to this and you know start branding the name field to bottle single estate round willy nilly and. Um, and, you know, it, as we all know, fake news is very apparent these days. So I'm, there is a little caution within me, but, but I, you yes. know, I have huge faith in bar, the bartending community and, and consumers that, that actually know what's real and what's not. And, you know, through social media, that's allowed us to, you know, to tell our story. And, and we can almost, you know, underline that and underpin that through our, our distillery tours where our super fans can come out and actually see, you know, we can actually see that kind of in practice.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think branding is and marketing sometimes can, yeah, suffocate <laughs> the truth a little bit. Um, what are what are some things that the general public and the audience can do to educate themselves? I think I think it's
2: products? just ultimately it comes down to taste. Um, and I, I think the best thing I can do is I love tasting things. I was in a we have a you know a collection of uh, great wine shops here in the UK called. Uh, majestic wine and i was in one the other day and i was tasting i was just tasting all these different gins and i think the main thing is just just continually keep tasting things and look my palate will be very different to your palate so you've just got to find out what works for you Mm -hmm. and you know everybody likes different things in life and the main thing is just to it's just to taste things neat our biggest problem not a problem but our biggest challenge from being field to bottle is the fact that most people will will you know mix our spirits either with a a tonic water or with you know another mixer and and you're kind of losing the actual taste of the gin and i think that's why gin has had such a meteoric rise is the fact that you know you you can create a gin but by the time you mix it with a you know a tonic there's there's often a lot of sugar in tonic and you've lost the very taste that you work so hard to create so i so i do i do believe trying things neat and you, you know you can also add in like a little dash of water but trying things neat will really actually get you to understand the quality in that in that base spirit and you know everything in moderation but the more you try the more you kind of understand you know where your where your palate goes and um you know what you like and you'll be able to categorize things as well and big big thing for me this year is to learn more lots more about different wine varieties all around the world and you know you only get to know those through through tasting and, and trying different things
0: Sure, of course. I mean, touching on wine, I know Chase actually is involved in um, production of some bottles. There's a Provence, I believe, and uh, and then there's also yeah. So a red Dad, wine.
2: Um, Dad is uh, we're, we have a very small vineyard in the in the south of France in, in Provence, and and I think it was ultimately Dad's escape from the British weather, um, <laughs> but but <laughs> right, yeah, okay. very, very much still you know a farmer down there, and we we have a fantastic winemaker called Dale, um, who's a, who's an Australian, so it's an Englishman an australian winemaker you know teaming up together in the in the south of france making making a bit of uh a bit of rosé which is which is great and also obviously lovely for a for a summer's day
0: yeah of course um so one of the things we also talked about was um your goal to be the world's most sustainable distillery over the next 10 years what are some of the steps you'll be taking to achieve this
2: absolutely so i think being field to bottle ultimately is you know, is the key thing for us. Um, we look after every step of the process, which reduces air miles and reduces the amount of, you know, fossil fuels that are burnt to, you know, to create the product. Um, there's other kind of then different initiatives. I think this year we, we are about to sign up to be a, a B Corp registered um, brand, which, which looks at, you know, every, every kind of policy within the business, not just production, but, you know, your, your people, the culture, and also your economic um, standpoint with within that but in terms of uh, you know an energy point of view um, distilling and brewing does require a lot of energy and, and the majority of that for a lot of people is obviously burning fossil fuels which you know is, is the biggest single contributor to greenhouse gases and emissions so so for us now we are we've invested heavily in, in a biomass boiler which very very simply um, burns local wood chips so we, we Buy in wood, we chip it up and we burn that. That creates energy that either goes into making steam. So we, you know, we, we heat a lot of our stills. There's a lot of heat needed to turn starch and sugar into alcohol. So we, we use a lot of energy to to turn into steam. But then also, there's the electricity. So that's the you know the, the heating and the you know the actual energy that that's needed to do that and that, that transfer. Of power is happening now um i'm actually doing a little video today uh, at the distillery so if anybody's just tuning into our social media channels you'll see a little yeah you'll see some clips of 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 huxley our biomass boiler um, but yeah it's you know it's it's a huge step brilliant okay um, and in, in the next um year or so we'll be fully off grid which is a really exciting challenge for us um and one that you know one that ultimately it's a long-term investment and it's an investment that we want to see you know hopefully you know my children benefit from um and then on top of that there's we've got solar panels going in we're really conscious of water there's a lot of water that's um used on our farms all of our water is sourced from our borehole which is a basically a, a huge hole that's dug into the ground for us to source water from and and that um that will that will obviously keep you know keep sourcing and mileage and mileage down um and and then yeah an actual realization in the whole business from procurement where our glass bottles are now sourced in Sheffield um they're not they're not made across the, the water so keeping in a, a really kind of constant contact with all of our packaging um and and sourcing needs in procurement that we need to make sure that we're paying a fair salary wherever the packaging or products are made and that we're doing our, our best constantly and I think that's a cultural thing I think everybody in the business needs to make sure that they're you know, that they're doing their bit every single day in this business to, you know, to to make sure that we are a, a sustainable distillery.
0: Yeah, and I really hope more people lead by your example. I think what you're doing is great. And you are right, there are a few people sort of championing this now, uh, Edge and Greentown Ridge. Um, you mentioned Adams as well. Moving on into bartenders and cocktails. um, I think Chase and you personally have been very active in a world of bartenders. I know you've collaborated with uh, cocktail book before. Um, you've hosted a competition uh, with Rock the Farm. How important has this been to build awareness uh, for the products Ab- you make?
2: Absolutely. I think it's probably underpinned most of our, you know, most of our success in, in 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 that side of our you know our business. We are you know huge advocates of all bartenders, and and we've from day one since two thousand and eight of very much made them part of our our community. We you know we we've never had huge advertisements for billboards or you know top above the line campaigns and the bartenders for us have very much been our kind of billboards of 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 the brand. So we we've very much invested in them from the early days and I you know spent a lot of my time trawling tra- around many, many bars um hustling them um and, and talking to bartenders about about mm-hmm. our story, storytelling of our bar storytelling our you know our story and the reason the reason why we started and and hopefully for them you know a passion for for upselling you know because they've got to really you know for a bartender to, to sell more of anything they they need that training and they need that that passion to get behind it and it's something that we've we have very much kind of brought into our culture and and it's something that we're constantly working on day to day to make sure that we are bringing lots of bartenders out to the distillery to educate them you know the importance of sustainability in a bar but also the importance of you know understanding exactly how how we distill and how we distill from from field to bottle.
0: Mhm. Um recently has there been any cocktails that have really stood out using chase products
2: in the Yeah, okay? there's um there's been quite a big movement I think now to simplicity where where bartenders are not you know using 10 or 15 ingredients so really kind of narrowing it down to let the spirit shine for themselves um,
1: yeah, in for terms sure.
2: of any cocktails used I mean I, I don't know if you've seen but this year we ran um, Rock the Farm which is our industry only music festival um, we had about 1,200 um, bartenders all, all around the UK and, and about 50 or so from from international descending on the farm here in Herefordshire and um, we had a uh, had an amazing bartender called George Cook from Melbourne that that won the competition and his um you know his cocktail really really shone through because he he went back to the simplicity of um almost the the potato and, and letting the you know the, the base spirit really shine through his cocktail um, so we had we had about 10 entrants in that and and they all um they all really took us by by storm but again where they came back to was the, the simplicity and in, in the ingredients but also the seasonality they were using you know herbs and botanicals that you know produce that that was in season that was sourced very locally and and that was something that i thought that was you know great again you know talking about air miles and where things are from it was um you know it was something that all of those bartenders in that competition really took to heart
0: that's great. Um, is there going to be a rock the farm 2020?
2: Not this year. Um, we're, we're still recovering okay. and uh, letting the fields go a bit. <laughs> from last year. <full>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, we're letting the fields go a bit fallow this year. It's a huge amount of work and effort from, from the whole team here at Chase to, to put on such such an event. Yeah, but um, definitely we're, we're looking to bring it back again next year and and there'll be a, a theme and, and a cocktail competition that will go around that. So for anybody looking to enter the Chase Cup for 2021. Then um, yeah, keep keep your eyes and ears peeled for, for for any news that that comes online.
0: Fantastic! We're all looking forward to that. Are there any big trends you feel that are coming up in the industry of alcohol? Because we had a chat the other day with Will Edge, and we sort of mentioned that darker spirits might be taking over now because gin sort of uh, the bubble of gin has sort of hit peak. I feel, and um, I believe rum and cognac might be the next big spirits. I know that you did a brandy cask vodka, and I believe you still have casks of whiskey, which will be coming onto the market eventually. What are your thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think the consumer is getting more educated than, than ever before. And, and I'm very lucky to spend a bit of time over in, in America, which bourbon and you know, the likes of tequila are absolutely booming at the moment. So I do see those two categories mm. move their way across Across the pond, and um, and, and you know the, those two categories in themselves have so much to talk about, and so much, um, so many stories to to get behind. So that, I think that's going to be very exciting, and and especially with tequila, where you know it is an area of limited production, um, and I think the storytelling behind tequila and the the health benefit will be very strong. Um, just on that point, I do think healthy well-being and low and no will 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 really gather a pace again this year i think people are mindful drinking now and you've got the the likes of victoria beckham you know promoting a you know a fact that when you do drink she drinks really well and obviously she's in a, a position to do that but the cultural following that she's going to get behind that all of her community will be going you know well when I do drink i 'm going to drink very well, and i'm going to source the very best so hopefully for craft brands like ourselves, that puts us in you know a good position um, I definitely do think yeah darker spirits will will take their turn but i i don't I don't think that just defines whiskies i th- I think you know even things like um uh cognac and Armagnac um, and calvados will or see, you know, great growth and tradition to it. It really is just kind of the bartenders and what they get behind because if bartenders get behind something, you know, it really does spawn into something unique, unique even, you know, brands like FernaBranca and Vernagaroni are a very bitter, bitter lead drinks. So I think yeah, I think we're gonna continually see choice and and the rise of different things. But I don't think there's just going to be one thing. I think there's going to be so many, you know, different categories that are going to emerge and, and keep growing and and gin you know, gin I don't think will slow down. I think it's such a versatile spirit that, that has, you know, such mass market mm-hmm. appeal. Um, but I do think there'll be, you know, a bit more focus on the sourcing of of gin and, and, and a more kind of look into to quality on that side of things. And and from our standpoint, yeah, we, as, as many people will know, when they come to the distillery, we have got quite a few casks lying around. And um, uh, hopefully this year we will be releasing our first, drop of whiskey from ollie and the distillers here at, at chase Fantastic. which is really, really okay. exciting um but there's there's no rush um we, we started this distillery to make vodka and gin and, and whiskey is just something that you know allows our distillers and, and the family to you know to have a you know a bit of a passion project for but we've got a, a good stock now which will be you know great to release and looking again back on the vodka and gin side we are and we have aged some vodka. We we released um, over 800 bottles of cognac, cask aged marmalade vodka for our Christmas release last year, and and wow. I think it's pretty much all sold out <laughs> now, which is um, Brilliant. which is fantastic. Um, and I think yeah. this year we will be releasing a an aged gin of limited quality, quantity. So um, yeah, we've got some exciting spirits coming yeah. out, and um, yeah, we can't wait to to see what everybody's thoughts are of them. Are.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I love it when I went there. You, you're very experimental with um some of the things you play around with, the ingredients. The brandy cask was uh, particularly one of my favourites, which is obviously a limited yeah, edition too. De- yeah, definitely.
2: To. I, think, I think a lot of people play by the rules of what, you know, whiskey and different things are. But, you know, I, I think categories are breaking down now and people are almost buying into brands. And, you know, whilst Chase is a gin distillery, um, people always know Chase for its innovation of, you know, creating loads of new different spirits. And, um, yeah, I think um, that brandy cask, it was amazing how much flavour came out of the actual brandy cask and in, into the spirits Absolutely, he had the creaminess yeah. of the potato vodka but almost this kind of brandy you know top end you know almost kind of uh, wine wine background coming through which was um, which is incredible
0: that was delicious um so for our listeners in the uk how can they book tour? i would a tour advise yeah, everybody to
2: to book online before they come we have quite a few visitors and calvin james and Dell, and the, the rest of the team are pretty flat out with with the tours but the our web shop is the best place to go chase and you can um you can find a slot available and yeah hopefully um we can we can get as many of your listeners down as possible
0: that'd be great james thank you so much for coming on the show it's been really good to hear about the distillery and your plans for the future so yeah thanks man and we really look forward to 2020 to cool, thank
2: happens. you so much for, for for getting me on and um yeah here's to a great year cheers
0: Perfect. All the best, James. Bye-bye. Well, that's all of it. I hope you really enjoyed the interview and the chat with James. Um, some really exciting things going ahead with those guys, and we can't wait to see what happens. Next episode, we have the fantastic and wonderful Monica Berg. Uh, she's very hard to track down because she's an incredibly busy woman running all these amazing businesses. But it was really, really cool to sit down and talk with her and uh, understand a bit more about her new bar, Teya and Elementary. So, yeah, tune in next week for Monica Burke. Thanks, guys. Have a good week.